Welcome to So Wait Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and a bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm joined with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. How's it going? It was an eventful day because this was our first time back watching a movie in a theater. It was. It was much more enjoyable than pre-pandemic going to a theater. Yeah. No one's there. Reserving seats. No one's allowed to be around you. That's true. Yeah. Half, like all half the rows were closed <laughs> off. We... um almost went to the drive-in over the during the pandemic and we never really did oh you were right we didn't the drive-in too is just like not in a great location because it's in the middle of a city with lights Mm -hmm. surrounding it so it can never get that dark it's kind of a hard place to watch any film that's like serious or really you just have to watch animated movies there (laughs) (laughs) you you can't see anything else on the screen (laughs) wrong so we're gonna go see a quiet place too I feel like that was a good one to kick back off us going to theaters again. Yeah, though I made the joke that, you know, at the beginning it has the <laughs> opener of John Krasinski being like, if you're seeing this right now, that means that you're watching this how it was meant to be watched on the big screen. And I was like, yeah, you know, Dolby Atmos so that you can have all these very quiet scenes of, of literally no noise. <laughs> there are some scenes throughout this movie, as with the first, where it's dead silence. Silent, yeah. Like, not just quiet. Right. Like, straight up, no noise whatsoever. It is interesting that we chose to pay the upgraded price for Dolby Atmos for this movie experience. Yeah, I don't know why we did that, but... Um, It was good, but what I... I think everyone, if you've seen the first Quiet Place, I think you should go see the second one. I like the second one more than I like the first one. I thought it had a better narrative. I thought they were both good. But what I want to talk about is the trailers before the movie. Yeah, it's clear that the pandemic took a hit on the quality of movies <laughs> being produced and released. I will say that, like, that's one of my favorite things about going to the movies is seeing new trailers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of those trailers were... No, there was a couple that were new to me, but man, they were all so bad. So the first one was uh, the hitman's wife's bar- bodyguard. Yeah, what's funny about that, too, is that you mentioned this as part of a series. Yeah, I think it's the third one. And it had been name. called the hitman's bodyguard, right? Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's now the hitman's wife's bodyguard. Right. So it has Samuel L. Jackson, Ryan Reynolds, and Selma Hayek in it. Which, man, that has to be an expensive movie to make with those types of names. Morgan Freeman, too. Oh, yeah. He was in it, too. You're right. Yeah. So it looks horrendous. Uh, I don't know what the other movies were like, but I'm assuming that they weren't great either. You know, all the movies that we saw in the trailers looked pretty bad. There's one that stood out as looking the worst. And at this point, it comes as no surprise because we make fun of this all the time. and. Having a podcast where you pair good and bad movies, we've talked a lot about M. Night Shyamalan. We have. We haven't yet watched an M. Night Shyamalan movie as our bad movie, have we? Yeah, we have. Did he not do The Happening? Oh, The Happening. Yeah, yeah. The Happening. We hadn't recorded about it, but... Right, right, right. Well, so that's true. And that was real bad. But, real bad. Um, there are multiple others that we talk about bringing into the pairings. There's one about a killer mermaid. <laughs> I don't remember the name of that one, but that'll probably get used at some point in time. Definitely. We've never seen that. Uh, we talked about how he did Avatar The Last Airbender, the live action one, and it was like the worst possible take you could possibly mm-hmm. do. We liked Split, then Glass ruined right. everything that Split set up. Right. And now there's a new movie in which in the trailer, these people are on a beach on a family vacation. And all of a sudden, things start aging very quick, or pa- time is passing quickly. It doesn't really explain. Right. People start like 
they walk away and they come back and they're 10 years older or yeah, like they the children find, are like, you know, 10 years old and all of a sudden like they're 18 year olds. Right. Bizarre type of movie because the setup like that's an OK setup for a thriller or, or horror movie or whatever where you're aging too quickly. The way they do it makes absolutely no sense because there's one scene in which I think they mentioned that this girl was 16 uh, or six, mm-hmm. six. And then she like leaves into this cave. And when she comes back, she's like 16 or 18. Mm hmm. Then there's another very brief scene where they show that she aged again and now she's giving birth to a baby. Right. That is getting pregnant is Is not part (laughs) of like the aging process. Right. Like that is not a stage of development in which like you just, okay, so you're a kid, then you're a teenager, then you're pregnant. Right. (laughs) That makes absolutely no sense to me. Agreed. Maybe it'll explain that in the movie. But the worst part is that, you know, it's going through all this. You see one person's dead. The older people are getting even older. They have wrinkles. <laughs> That's literally a line is you have wrinkles. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is so dumb. <laughs> and so imagine hearing that like you have wrinkles and then it cuts away. It does like, you know, the dramatic music and the title pops up and it says old. <laughs> That's the name of this movie. I audibly snorted whenever <laughs> the title came up. What in theater. a dumb name. At this point, we it led to a conversation after of like, is M. Night Shyamalan even trying anymore? Like, is he trolling us at this point? I think that he's Nick Caging us because Nick Cage at some point in time realized that what he's doing is over the top. I think it was always intentionally over mm-hmm. the top. And we watched a little interview with Nick mm-hmm. Cage where he was explaining like he's actually a huge cinephile and mm-hmm. like he knows everything about the history of mm-hmm. cinema and everything. I think for him, he's like, I wanted to be over the top. And so I did over the top and I recreated this moment from the 1920 silent film blah 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 <laughs> that was in france right like i think nick cage realized that and so he he did it for a reason in night Shyamalan, i just want to know is he doing this for a reason or does he think he's making a good movie or hoping to make a good movie and then just bombing every movie one after another right i don't know i i, I can't tell six right. cents was clearly signs even Right. Clearly, he wasn't trolling us then. Mm-hmm. The Village, didn't he do that one? And The Village was all right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he has had so many busts in right. between there. I think The Village was the last good thing he directed other than Split. Mm-hmm. And Split was really good, but I think Split was only good because of James McAvoy. Yeah. Like, I think it was James McAvoy's acting that mm-hmm. made Split good, not the storyline. And what's her face? Um, Anna, who's having her picnic moment right now from Queen's Gambit. Oh, I forgot she was in it too. Yeah, but she was really good. I mean, you know, James McAvoy plays like 16 characters or something. Yeah. So yeah, like, he does great. That's impressive. But then Glass blew all that. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it was horrendous. Mm-hmm. So right back to his standard. Exactly. I mean, so, we'll, we'll be seeing it. <laughs> we're we're going to see it. <laughs> like, like, uh, after all that, we're going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. How could you not watch a movie called Old? <laughs> right. About getting old. Man. Yeah. So let's maybe switch gears and talk about a good movie that we're going to watch tonight. And it's your week. So what was your good movie pick? All right. So my good movie pick, and I was trying to come up with the pairing. I mentioned this last time based on an illness and falling in love with someone that has an illness, that Mm -hmm. type of thing. So I chose The Big Sick. And a lot of people have seen The Big Sick by now. It Mm -hmm. it was really critically acclaimed. It was uh, nominated for Best Screenplay, I believe. Mm -hmm. Actually, I read a thing that said it was the only movie nominated for Best Screenplay that wasn't also nominated for Best Picture. That's interesting. In the year. I think it was the 2017 Oscars. That made sense. Maybe the 2018 Oscars. I think this movie came out in 2017. So it's directed by Michael Showalter, 
mm-hmm. who I love, Michael Showalter. Michael right. Showalter uh, did Wet Hot American Summer. Mm-hmm. He also did the Wet Hot American Summer Netflix TV mm-hmm. series. Um, he's done a, a number of other uh, movies at this point. He's gotten a little bit more serious in mm-hmm. like The Big Sick. It's, it's, I mean, it's not like super serious, you know, mm-hmm. but like from what I remember of it, it's it's a mix of mm-hmm. drama and, and comedy. Right. So this is the first time that Camille Nanjiani did a, a like a movie. He had been in other things before that. He helped write this movie is him and his wife wrote the screenplay because it's based on a true story. It's kind of like the story of him dating his now wife. And when she had kind of like a surprise health scare where she had to be put into a coma. So uh, as far as I know, that's all true, mm-hmm. uh, kind of semi-autobiographical. And Judd Apatow heard about that story and was like, let's make a, a movie out of this and produced mm-hmm. and produced this movie. Yeah. So we saw this movie when it came to theaters. I remember. Yeah, we saw it in theater. And we haven't seen it since then. No, we haven't rewatched it. We really liked it then. What I remember of it, I really liked it. I don't remember loving it, but I remember you loving it. I remember that it was really funny. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I don't hardly remember. I remember one joke. And right. it's one that we talked about. Uh, it's kind of a 9-11 joke, but I that's all I remember out of it, of yeah. all the stand-up he did. Right. Well, I'm happy to report that our favorite drinking rules site, drinkwin.ca, those lovely Canadians, they have rules for this one. So, the first one you're already going to love. So, anytime someone says Pakistan, Mm -hmm. coma, anyone says or performs stand-up. Yeah, that's going to be a lot. Right? (laughs) There's a movie or pop uh, culture reference, and Camille drives. Goodness, I can't yeah, talk. I don't remember him driving, but the uh, stand-up is going to be a big one because I know mm-hmm. that this was like a almost like funny people, but a much better version of funny people. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of stand-up built into the regular storyline. So it's Camille Nanjiani, Bo Burnham is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and A.D. Bryant, right? And A.D. Bryant. And I think those are the primary stand-up people. I think there are others. I don't remember. I don't know if, if they're mm-hmm. real comedians or not, mm-hmm. the other people who do stand-up. But I remember thinking that all the stand-up was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like in the background almost. It's not like right. you're not sitting directly watching them perform, right. perform stand-up exactly. necessarily. But I will say, so this is another reason why this is our favorite drinking rule site. Because their quote that they included is your favorite quote, which is, What's my stance on 9-11? Oh, um, anti. It was a tragedy. I mean, we lost 19 of our best guys. Yeah, I remember, I remember <laughs> laughing out loud at that joke. That was a good one. We'll rewatch it and see if that was as funny as, as I remember. Right. But I can't remember the full context of it. So. Right. Well, I think we both remember enough of this movie that we shouldn't do a shot in the dark for this one. Yeah, I don't remember like a lot, but I remember key moments. Yeah. Okay, well, are you ready to go watch? Yeah. Cool. back from watching the big sick did it live up to your expectations it really did i think it was fantastic i liked it so much more this time around which has i'm a little bit surprised about because usually like i don't love rewatching movies um so it feels weird whenever i rewatch a movie and like it more upon a rewatch than the first time yeah i mean uh for me my my biggest worry and i mentioned this before was that since there's so much stand up i was worried that we're going to hear those punchlines and that you know, it's kind of like worn off by the second right. time. But I thought it was, I laughed just as much, honestly. No, I com- I completely agree. 
uh, bringing that up because one of the drinking rules was it was the finisher drink rule was when he brings up the 9-11 joke. Right. And the setup to that is what I forgot. So I remember the punchline of Camille's part, but the setup is equally funny. Right. uh, Which is Ray Romano being like, so uh, (laughs) 9-11. Like that's how he brings it up. And he was like, "Uh, what about 9-11? How do you feel about it? Uh, bad <laughs> very anti <laughs> yeah, very anti. and he was like yeah i've just i've always wanted to talk to someone about 9-11 and he was like you've never been able to talk to anyone about 9-11 <laughs> the whole setup is right. so good uh, and then the punchline later right. but yeah for sure speaking of which i had completely forgotten that ray romano and holly hunter play emily's parents yeah, I didn't remember. I mean, it came back to me immediately when we saw them, but I really didn't remember them being in the movie. Right. I used to be a very um, anti Ray Romano fan. Like, I didn't like his sense of humor. I hated Everybody Loves Raymond. And then he joined the last two seasons of the cast of Parenthood, and I fell in love with him. And I swear that I think him doing that is what's kind of shifted him into be doing like the more serious straight comedy. Right. I mean, I think that like Ray Romano has definitely shifted and yeah. he's, he's still doing com- uh, comedic things sometimes, but right. it's more like dark comedy and you know, like uh, things that actually win awards. Right. Right. So like I, we haven't seen it, but one of our friends always brings up, isn't it called Paddleton? Yeah. It was supposed to be like one of the best movies of one, I don't know, last year or the year right. before. And he was in that. I can't remember what else he was in funny people actually. Yeah. I, I think, was Funny People also a Judd Apatow produced movie? I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was. This is so much better, though. It has right. a similar feel, but right. I just remember not thinking that it was a very good movie. Right. Aziz Ansari is in it, uh, Funny People. I don't even. I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, I mean, Jonah Hill, I think, is the main one oh, of the main Lord. characters, Jonah isn't it? Hill. I don't know. I, I think he's about... like the assistant or something to Adam Sandler. So Adam Sandler is the Nightmare Banna. Adam Sandler is the main person, but I don't think he plays himself. Right. I think he's playing a character. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about that movie. Yeah. Well, anyway, this movie is so much better. And this movie, it it gets dark, but it never gets like so dark that you like, you know, can't take it. Like it still works in funny moments. There are sad moments for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, But it kind of like balances. It's a very balanced movie. Right. Not too hard on the comedy, not too hard on the drama. Uh, I really love it. We have to talk about my favorite performance, which was Holly Hunter. She does such a good job of like... She can kind of start off like kind of being the villain, not because she has any bad motives or bad intents, but you know, like if we think of Kumal as a, like our like hero of the story, she's definitely like the one who's like, fuck you. Like you hurt my daughter. Like, I don't want to talk to you. Like get away from me. Like, and she's also, but she's also just like a mother who was trying to fix a situation and mm-hmm. she has the best heart and the best of intentions. And she's just so funny. Like she has some really great lines. Right. She reminds me a lot of Frances McDermott. Oh, I like Holly Hunter better. Yeah, but isn't it kind of like yeah, similar roles yeah, and like kind of, yeah, like the gritty Texas mom like, right. or like whatever, you know, <laughs> right. like that type of role. Right. Um, that's what it reminded me of. I really like Ray Romano, too. I thought he was great. Uh, there's a really great scene where Ray Romano and Holly Hunter go see Kumal do stand up mm-hmm. kind of in a roundabout way. And there's just like an asshole in the audience who's like starts heckling Kamal for being Muslim and basically being like, go back home, you terrorists and type thing. And so Holly Hunter's character like goes off on him and it's hilarious. But we read that that whole scene was inspired by Holly Hunter actually heckling a tennis player. Yeah. So <laughs> in the scene, she like comes to Camille's rescue 
and like fights back like the frat guy who's heckling and like makes fun of him and all that type of stuff. But what we read was that, like you said, it was at like, I think a US Open or something like so it's a big tennis match. And she was heckling a tennis player, but I don't know who. It, mm-hmm. I don't think it said uh, which one it was. So that's kind of funny that mm-hmm. uh, she was actually the heckler. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Not defending. Right, exactly. No, I thought all the... I think... is Who's a uh, Zoe Kazan who plays Emily? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I think she's so good. Um, she's super likable, super lovable, funny. There's that scene like when she first like wakes up from the coma and is like seeing Kumal... And she's like, he obviously has gone through all the stuff while she's been in a coma, but she just remembers her breakup that had just happened before her coma. Mm-hmm. And like, she has like this moment of like where she's like, I want you to leave. You make my heart sad. Mm-hmm. And like, the way she says it is just so perfectly adorable. And like, also, like, any girl who's been in that situation knows exactly what she means. Yeah. I, I think in that scene too, it was like such a unique scene because it's like, you know, he's trying to win her back over because the last thing she remembers, they had a bad breakup. Mm-hmm. Then she comes out of her coma and he's been like seeing her every day, mm-hmm. like because he wanted like he cares about her and she was sick and whatever. Right. And uh, there's this whole scene where like he shows her like uh, all the stuff that he collected, like his badges when he was going to the hospital mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff. And she was like, I'm glad that you went through that. But like I wasn't awake. Right. So it's like, I understand that you feel different now mm-hmm. because you have these experiences, but I didn't have those experiences right. because I was in a coma. Right. I also really love the way that Kamal's character, like he isn't, he isn't the perfect guy. And like, mm-hmm. I really love whenever you're able to see the, f- the flawed parts of a character. It's like a character that you like, that you root for. But you can also, at the end of the day, admit that like he isn't always the best guy in the world. And he he's saying that himself. So like he, he kind of needed this moment to like do some growing up as well. Right. Uh, Kind of moving on to a different direction too. We talked a little bit about how he interacts with his family. Mm -hmm. Cause I know that like you didn't really like that. There's like the whole falling out with his family and that he kind of just like leaves them to do his own thing. But at the same time, it's like making a message about like, they were already kind of angry at him for like not choosing a Pakistani girl. And Mm -hmm. that's a whole thing. And we came up with, with, there really needs to be a drinking rule for every time they introduce a new love interest that his mother tries to pair him with. Right. Because the one big thing about this movie is that, you know, he's falling in love with uh, Emily, who's based on his real life wife. And his parents, however, at least his mom, really wants him to date a Muslim girl who's from Pakistan. So she's like basically doing like an arranged marriage type mm-hmm. situation where he's just like nonstop being introduced to like mm-hmm. 50 women. Right. And he gets their like headshots, like glamour shots that he keeps in his little mm-hmm. cigar box and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So every single time somebody like that is introduced, that would be a great drinking right. rule. I agree. We mentioned one of the uh, love interests was uh, the neighbor from... Um, Oh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, hardly recognizable. Right. I did not remember <laughs> she was in it. Right. But yeah, so that's a good drinking rule. I think all the other drinking rules hit. Right. It's so funny that we're like, I don't remember Kamal driving and then whole thing is that he's an Uber driver. Yeah. And there's a lot of good jokes about <laughs> right. him, him being an Uber driver. Right. Uh, that's definitely a good one. Stand up is a good one. They do show it enough times. I completely forgot about his roommate and how funny his roommate was. Right. Yeah. His roommate is also a stand up comic. Right. Um, there's a lot of funny scenes with him. 
I don't know. I thought the whole thing was really good. It reminded me a lot of that other movie um, that had Keegan-Michael Key. Oh, yeah. It was about an impro- improv troupe. Yeah. I can't remember what that was called, but me either. similar feel to that kind of. I think Jillian Jacobs was in it, wasn't she? Yeah, give me a second. I think I can find it. Well, and while you're looking at that up, the other thing it reminds me of are these movies that have come out recently by Bo Burnham. Because mm-hmm. Bo Burnham is in this movie and he keeps releasing all these like funny but also serious movies like Eighth Grade. So I thought I had found the movie. I did not. I was thinking of Sleepwalk With Me, which is also oh that. But that's not the movie that we're talking Wait, about. Wait, was that Bo Burnham? No, it's not Bo Burnham. That is Mike uh, Bruglia, whatever you say his name is. Mike Burbiglia. Thank you. Yeah. We'll come up with that at some point. Yeah. Well, anyway, that movie, it was uh, it was a really good movie, too. That came out like a few years ago. All right. Very similar feel, though. Yeah, I completely agree. Now it's killing me. I have to figure it out. I think it's like a unique story because a lot of people didn't really tell dramatic sides of things like improv or stand up. And, I, you know, like clearly with something like funny people, that's what they're trying to do is show the dark side, like how comics have depression and how, like, you know, a lot of them have addictions of various types. Um, but I think that it's... um. Don't Think Twice was the name of the movie. I would have never come up with that. Don't Think Twice. I don't even remember that being the it name. It also has Mike Birbiglia. Oh, there you go. And it, <laughs> it has uh, Jillian Jacobs, Chris Gethard. Yeah. That, yeah. Anyways, that was way too long to figure out that, yeah, <laughs> it reminds <laughs> us of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go ahead and rate this one on a scale of 1 to 100, Sean. What are you giving it? I'm going to give this one like a 92 because I mm-hmm. think that it's really good. I could watch it again even. It's not like the funniest or best movie that I've seen recently, but I think that it is right up there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a, gr- a great movie. Yeah. What about you, though? Uh, I think I'm going to give it an 89, which is pretty high for me. You have to be like one of my favorite movies to get into the 90s. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a great movie. Like I said, I enjoyed it more on this watch than I remember when we watched it the first time. Great storytelling, a good balance of laughs and, and also like serious tones. So right. I think it was good. Yeah. Okay. What's surely not going to be good? Well, so what's not going to be good is <laughs> Midnight Sun. And not to be confused with the Stephanie Myers book Midnight Sun, which is like all I could find when I was trying to Google this movie. Also sure that that's going to turn into a movie itself. It has to be. Time. It's like the it's the first Twilight book, but told from Edward's perspective. Right. So this movie, it was in a lot of trailers for a while, and that's how we found out about it. Ashley and I have never seen it, but. The premise is that it's about this teenage girl, played by Bella Thorne, who can't go out into the sun. She has some sort of condition where if the sun even, like, touches her skin, she can die from it. Uh, It's, like, almost assured that something bad is going to happen. So she has to just stay inside all day long uh, behind these, like, special windows and can't go out into the sun. So I don't know anything about it other than... That she hardcore cannot be in the sun. Yeah, right. And so when we're looking at it, up, it says that like she has an illness called XP, which is a real illness for people who cannot be exposed to UV rays. Right. And I looked it up a little bit after I, I read about that. And it seems so it is a real condition. And it seems like it creates like really bad kind of lesions and things on your skin if you're mm-hmm. out in the sun. I don't know how accurate it is if you just die from like even a second in the sun. So I guess we'll see how far this movie goes with that concept. Right. Because the only reason I think something bad happens is because there's a literal scene where she's on a boat in the trailer. Right. On a boat in the sun. Right. So unless that's a dream of her, like, dreaming about right. being on the boat. Right. Then 
at some point in time, she's going to be out in the sun. Right. And I don't understand why, given that she can't be in the sun. Right. So who knows? Maybe this is a dream. I, I don't know. But And just, you've touched on it already, but I just want to emphasize it. So Bella Thorne is one of those people that I get obsessed with because I think that they're insane. And like, I don't know if people have caught on to how insane they are. Like Aaron Carter? obsessed with Aaron Carter because he's so like, I can watch videos of Aaron Carter for hours, like, because it is just so crazy to me how insane he is. Um, same for Tyra Banks. I think she's a complete nut job. I mean, we've watched so many YouTube videos <laughs> of Aaron Carter. You had us watch, what was it? Uh, how I beat Shaq, the music video. Is that yeah. what it's called? How I beat Shaq. Yeah. Of course, Aaron's party. Those aren't the weird things, though, because those are music videos. Yeah, that's, that That was back when he was a kid before. Right. The weirdest things are her, his, like, podcast, like, appearances. Yeah, and, like, he was doing... My favorite one is the one I showed you of when he was doing an interview, and he was talking about when he went to rehab, and he stayed in the same room at Betty Ford as Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah, and that was, like, on the equivalent of, like, The Doctors or something. Yeah. Like a, sh- a daytime show right. like that. And he was like, he doesn't know it. But he's my mentor, which I think, like, somebody has to agree to mentor you. But what do I know? And then he's like, he's going to be really mad for me for saying this. But on this cork board above the bed I was in, it says, RDJ was here. <laughs> right. And that's how he's his mentor, because he right. never actually met him in person. Right. It was because he, like, scribbled a note on the uh, cork board. In right. The, uh, right. He in also goes and like, to this. He's also, like, thinks that he was the closest person to Michael Jackson than anyone, which he was a child when Michael Jackson was alive. So like that was a little troublesome. Um, but he always talks about how like Michael Jackson told him that he, he was the new Michael Jackson of this generation. Yeah. Well, that was not the case. Uh, he thinks it's still the case. Well, Oh, one of the videos you played us though was him playing like a parking lot under a tent. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't even like a Sing- state fair. It singing. Was- I want candy. Yes, yeah, I want candy. <laughs> but it was literally in like the parking lot of like a Dick Sporting Goods. Right. <laughs> so Bella Thorne is somebody who I have a similar fascination with in that regard. Like Vanity Fair and like some other like type magazines type things have done a lot of like YouTube videos with her um, that I've watched. And if you were to ask Bella Thorne, she is the most brilliant and hardest working actress in Hollywood. Like she is... Meryl Streep. What else is she even in? Is she a Disney actress? Is that how she I got her she, start? Yeah, I think she was on... Like, there was like a show called Shake It Up. I think she was on that. Hmm, I, I have no idea what, that who she is. That was definitely our post-star Disney days, but... Right. There's that... She got into singing too, right? Well, I wouldn't call it singing, but yes, she would consider it singing. Because she has her number one hit, Bitch and Bella Thorne. Which, remember, huh. <laughs> I tried to like show you a music video of that and we had to turn it off. It was so unbearable. Well, wasn't it rap? Yeah. Ugh. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> she, yeah. She had no business doing it. I think she sings in this because I think she has a guitar in the trailer. Well, yeah. So we're going to get to drinking rules and that is something that comes up in uh-huh. drinking rules. That's going to um, be a treat. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's pivot there. So we are getting these rules from movieboozer.com. And I don't know if I should be worried that across the top is just like some really bad ads that just say BJ. Across the Wait, for what? I don't know. BJ. Seasonal packer picker. Immediate hire. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Read that again. <laughs> Seasonal what picker? <laughs> packer slash picker. Like, so like, you're, like, obviously like packing boxes or something. 
And then it also says BJ Fitz Technician. Huh. That is it for like BJ Wholesale? I, I, I don't know. It just says BJ. Weird. Well, I, I would say look more into that, but I don't want you to look more into that. <laughs> uh, I think that maybe it's for BJ's because BJ's... Like the restaurant? No, uh, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but there's something called like, I think it's called BJ and it's kind of like a Costco, mm-hmm. but it's in, and there were some in Ohio. I, I think mm-hmm. there's like, I think it's like a big chain, but it's probably yeah. mostly in like one region. Well, they need a fence technician and seasonal packer picker immediate hire. I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so that's where we got our drinking rules from. Uh-huh. Okay, so take a drink every time they mention XP, which is the disease that she has. Drink every time Katie's dad does something overprotective, which is played by Rob Riggle. This seems like a very serious role for Rob Riggle. Yeah, I can't remember what else Rob Riggle has been in that wasn't a comedy. Uh, nothing, I think, is the, is the right answer. Didn't Rob Riggle get his start as a correspondent on The Daily Show? I have no clue. I'm pretty sure he was on The Daily Show. He's like one of those people where I see it, I just like want to punch him in the face. Yeah. Um, take a drink every time Katie sings a quote-unquote original song. So, yeah, she definitely does that. Hopefully she doesn't rap it. <laughs> take a drink for every time the movie shills for Eminem's, who obviously purchased a prominent sponsorship. So I couldn't even tell you what that would possibly mean. <laughs> I don't know how Eminem's are going to have this big of a role to drink to, but... Lord, it means it has to be bad if like that's being called out as a drinking rule. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can add some more. Are there any that we wanted to carry over from the big sick? Um, I don't. I feel like those are some good ones. I think would be. Yeah. I mean, if they say Pakistan, definitely drink. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, I think that's not going to happen. You never know. Well, before we get into the actual movie, though, I do have one more little tidbit about this that I looked up. So I, I was looking up this movie and this was not intentional, but what I, something I found out about this movie is that it's actually a remake and it is a remake of a 2006 movie mm-hmm. called A Song to the Sun that was made in Japan. You would always find a way to bring this back to Japan. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I, I think that uh, I don't know what that movie is and I don't know if the ratings are any better for the 2006 Japanese version. <laughs> Then this one, uh, from what I can tell, this one has pretty bad reviews on Rotten. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really bad. But I do always find a way to bring things back to Japan. And this was on accident. I didn't do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. But it is a running rule of the show to drink when I mention Japan or to uh, when I tell a story about Japan. Because I went to Japan. When you were 18? When I was 18. I stayed there for like three or four months. <laughs> uh, and to quickly get into a story... That we got into on a past movie night. One time I happened to say that I was staying with my foster parents. (laughs) And what I meant to say. So when I went to Japan, I was 18 and I did like an exchange type program. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of the people with me were in high school still. I was already graduated high school, but before college. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go attend high school. The other people did. Mm -hmm. It was straight up like go and live like a Japanese teenager. So they had to go to Japanese high school. They had to do all this stuff. I didn't have to do that. I could kind of just chill out at the house. Uh-huh. But you still stay with a host family. Uh-huh. I guess in the moment that I didn't remember the word host. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he told me about his foster family. And so I talked about the foster family I stayed with. My Japanese foster family. So <laughs> as somebody become... who knows Sean's parents very well, I know that he does not have a foster family. <laughs> yes. So I did happen to slip up right there. So 
if you do ever hear us bring up my foster family <laughs> or me going to Japan or telling a story about the Japan, this is a long running thing. It's not new. Uh, I've told Ashley about this for the last 10 years. <laughs> it's become my thing of like every time he starts talking about it, I'll text someone and be like, hey, guess what? Did you know that Sean went to Japan? I did. And it was great. <laughs> I want to go back. Okay, well, let's go watch what's surely going to be a hellfire of a movie. Yeah. Okay. We're back from watching Midnight Sun. I have to say, this is everything I want in a bad movie. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> Me too, but it's in such an excellent way. It's not as bad as music. Oh, music is just was not enjoyably bad. No, music was just bad. Yeah. Like, this was enjoyably bad. Yeah, like it was horrible, but like laugh out loud the entire time. Right. I, I mean, this is a movie that was trying to be serious. Oh, yeah. Like this is definitely something that like 12 year olds watch and like think is really romantic and great. Right. And I mean, the whole thing about this movie is that it feels like a Nicholas Sparks mm-hmm. movie, but it's not Nicholas Sparks. Right. Uh, I don't know who directed it. It's but a Japanese remake. It is a Japanese remake, <laughs> but I don't know who directed it. I think it said Scott Spear. When I look, is that a person? I, I have no clue. I can guarantee you whoever directed this, I have no clue who they are. Yeah. Well, I looked it up briefly on IMDb, and it looked like they directed only other movies like this. Right. It, nothing good. So the plot was basically exactly how we described it. Yeah, the trailer honestly contained almost all of the plot in the trailer. For sure. Let's kind of start at the top of the film with our favorite Rob Riggle moment. Yeah, so at the beginning of this movie, well, we should start out. One, this movie tried to make a lot of creative choices that were (laughs) strange and poorly done. Yes. It also made too many. So, like, you know, sometimes a movie will have a theme so mm-hmm. think about a movie like Scott Pilgrim or something like that, where it's like very specific and, and like uh, this, it's like the same creative style and over and over again. Right? right. So they have like a gimmick, but they do the same gimmick throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. This movie tried to do that. So they had like a weird like slideshow projector type mm-hmm. thing that they were doing at the beginning. And then they just ended that and never did it again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they were thinking. It was almost like, oh, this is popular right now. Let's mm-hmm. work that into this movie. So anyway, that was that was horrendous. But that's where you learn in like a voiceover at the beginning. My name is Katie. Mm-hmm. What was it? Price? Something like that. Or something like that. I don't remember. But like, uh, my name is Katie and I have some XP. Mm-hmm. My mom died. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so it was like one of those things where it was like, it was like a thing like where like, you know, like remember like the projectors from like school where like. The teacher had, like, the... The overhead projector. Yeah, exactly that. Mm -hmm. So it was like that, and it randomly would be like, I have XP. It means I can't go in the sun, or I'll die. Fun. And, like, it'd be, like, fun right now, like, on the overhead projector. It was so fucking weird. It never gets better than that. So that's how it begins. And then you see her as, like, a child, and she's in this house, and she's just, like, watching people pass. Like, pass by on the street. And... She, you know, is like kind of like longingly ho- wishing that she could be part of the group and whatever. And right. then that's where she sees Charlie for the first time as he like, right. I think skates by or something like right. that uh, as a kid. So Charlie is the main love interest played mm-hmm. by Patrick Schwarzenegger. Right. Who is Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Mm-hmm. 
More and, importantly, Maria Shriver's son. Yeah, and related. Kennedy. Yeah, he's technically a Kennedy. So he, well, he's not, a, this is when they're children. So she's like watching this boy version of him, you know, go by and whatever. And she's like falling in love with him through her window. Right. <laughs> she's never interacted with him, never talked to him. Because that's what love him. is. Literally him walking <laughs> by her house once a day, every day, whatever. But then her only friend, they show how she made that friend. And it's basically just like, you see other schoolgirls who are like, shunning her and like making fun of her and like, like calling her a vampire yeah like that's where the vampire lives she mm -hmm. can't go in the sun mm -hmm. and so then this girl goes up to the house randomly doesn't even know who lives there right knocks on the door rob rickle riggle opens like uh yes like what is mm -hmm. this and she was like um can i play with katie or whatever mm -hmm. like i think they even know her name mm -hmm. and he was like uh um no she's very sick she uh the sun it hurts her <laughs> she, like she it was something it was like it was like a weird after school special where he was like no honey she's sick and she goes oh with what and he was like oh, yeah. <laughs> and xp he, and then he <laughs> defines what xp is right he was like it means that if she goes in the sun she could die and she's like well i can't get in the sun too much either yeah it's really stupid <laughs> uh and then that's when she was like what about at night? Can she play at night? <laughs> Which one? She's like six years old in this right, or something, right. like seven years old. Like, no, you can't come back at like midnight and play with this girl. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, so, uh, but she becomes her best friend and they play at night, I guess. Uh, also in that scene, she does like the sassy, like, he was like, what, you want to play with my daughter? Mm -hmm. And then she's like, yeah, and I like pizza. <laughs> like, make sure to have one when I come back. <laughs> so that was one thing that she did. Anyway, and then it fast forward until she's like right. graduating high school. Right. Which obviously all done through homeschooling. Yeah, she was homeschooled the whole time. Um, so, you know, we we learned that music is a pretty important thing to her. And so her graduation present from her dad is like her mom who died. That sucks. Um, <laughs> her like guitar. Which and how did she die? A car crash. Just like every miscellaneous mother who has ever died in any movie. It was always just a random car crash. I didn't even like know or care about that. I was just like, of course her mom's dead. Okay, moving yeah, on. It, it gets asked at one point, right. like, how did she die? And she said, car accident. Because mm -hmm. that's what, it's either cancer or a car accident. Yeah, every Those time. are the only ways that anybody ever dies. Right, exactly. And so, you know, like she's like asking her dad and she goes, and she's like, can I go play at train station? To, like, practice, you know, like, playing in front of people. To me, that was a, like, dive bar called, like, PlayStation or... or train train sta PlayStation. <laughs> it's a dive bar called PlayStation. Can I go play at the PlayStation? <laughs> yeah, but what it really meant was going to a fucking train station. <laughs> yes. So, playing. when she said this, she said, Dad, I want to go to the train station. And Ashley thought that was a bar called the, the train you, station. Did you think it was an actual train station when she first said it? I mean, I thought she was just going to go, like, busk on the street. Oh, I I thought that she was going to play, like, at a at a bar. Yeah, well, she didn't. What she did was go to the train station, the literal train station, at, like, midnight, right? Mm -hmm. So there's nobody at the train station. Which, like, the whole premise of her going out was her being like, Dad, I have to practice playing in front of people. I'm okay. never going to get good otherwise. Or, like, get used to an audience. Right. Which, one, you can barely go outside. So, like, I don't know how, how big of an audience you're right. ever going to have. But, like, you know, maybe if she can go out and just play night shows every day, whatever. But then the way she gets her practice playing in front of people is to go to a completely deserted train station at past midnight that nobody is coming in or out of. Right. There's, like, one scene 
where there's like w- the last train of the night pulling up and a couple of people get off and like toss some coins in her like hat or box. I don't remember. It was right. something but like do that. you remember the most important tip that she got that night? I do. Because <laughs> this was a drinking rule. It was <laughs> bag a of, bag of M&M's. We need, to, we need to be very specific, though. It was peanut M&M's throughout the entire movie that we saw. Yeah, they were definitely specifically trying to sell peanut M&M's. Right. And they come back up. It, mm-hmm. it really is a drinking rule mm-hmm. because it's more than once and it's definite pl- product placement. Right. Yeah, they toss that in there. I don't know. When she's out busking, she's also just sitting on a random... Like steam drunk. Yeah, yeah. Just I guess it's just left out there for people to go sit on because mm-hmm. she didn't bring it with her. Yeah. She, it's just there. The whole thing is so stupid. Like her singing is not good. Her mm-hmm. songs are bad. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about it a little bit later, too, about some of her original songs. <laughs> uh, one of them plays a big plot point, And uh, I'll talk about how bad it is in a minute. <laughs> but every song was poorly written. I think they were written probably by the people who wrote the script. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, wasn't run by Bella Thorne. It might be. I mean, obviously what we're learning is that Bella Thorne is not a very good musician. Right. So Charlie is just walking home one day and magically hears her voice from the train station and like has to know who she is. And I can tell you, if I heard that voice anywhere, I'd be like, hmm, they shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, I need to fall in love with them. Right. And that's when he walks up to her completely deserted train station, too. That's when he's like trying to, you know, learn her name and stuff. And she's like, uh, because uh, she recognizes him because she's been watching him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she knows exactly who it is. He doesn't know her, but she has been watching him since she was seven, mm-hmm. since he was seven, too. And now they're 18. So uh, so she's so nervous and she's like, uh, I got to leave. My cat died. <laughs> so fucking weird. And he was like, your cat died. And she's like, uh, we're having a funeral for my cat. And then she like <laughs> runs away and leaves her notebook behind by accident, which is how he finds out her name and where she is mm-hmm. or something. Because I guess yeah. you write that in your journal. I don't, I don't know. It was, It's stupid. Whatever. They start a whirlwind romance of her just, you know, getting to experience the world at night, of course. Yeah. So there's even a line about that. And uh, I wrote this down so that I could remember it. When he finally does ask her out, it's when he's returning her notebook because, you know, he has it now. Mm-hmm. He read through it, saw that she wrote songs. One, mm-hmm. there's one good line where uh, she's like, you read my journal? That's like a diary. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm sorry, but I wanted to find out who you are. <laughs> and then as he's talking about it, he's like, you write songs? And she's like, oh, you read them? And he was <laughs> like, yeah. And she says, do you think they're good? And he was like, I don't know. You have to sing them. <laughs> <laughs> The whole thing was like, I don't know. I don't know if it's good. I can only read them. Songs are meant to be sung. And guess what? Spoiler alert: They were not good. (laughs) No, they weren't good. But so anyway, you know, he asked her on this date, and he asked her, you know, can you go out? And she says, I'm really busy during the day, but I could be free at night. (laughs) And this whole play, this plays into a plot point because the whole premise is that for the whole time, like from the time they start dating. Through the end of the movie, she never tells him that mm-hmm. she has this condition. Right. Which to me is like the first thing that you lead with. Mm-hmm. Like, how long can you really play it off like, oh, I'm busy. Right. Not like if one ray of sunlight hits me, I immediately <laughs> die. Right. Like, that seems like something you can't play right. off for very long. Right. But that's the premise. And they so they only go on dates at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's like a montage-ish thing of them doing their stuff and you know falling in love and whatever right i think the pinnacle of it is he wants to do a a date where he takes her to seattle 
Yeah, because they're in like the outskirts of Seattle or something like that. Yeah, so like they take a train into Seattle and do a bunch of stuff together. Uh, one is that they he brings her Chinese food because yeah. it's, Chinese for food is a recurring thing as well because that's like all she likes to eat or whatever. Like they're constantly ordering in Chinese food to the house and whatever. Right. And so he gets her Chinese food and it's in those very traditional like the, right, takeout boxes. the stereotypic like takeout boxes and. He cheerses her. So they're like, cheers. And they like clink <laughs> their Chinese food boxes, which is stupid. And then as a little dessert uh, special, you know what he pops into her hands? <laughs> peanut M&M's. Shocking. Like straight up peanut M&M's. Again, like literally like taps them out of the bag so that you can see the branding as he does it. Right. So stupid. Right. It's pretty bad. So they get back from Seattle and... Personally, my favorite part of the whole entire movie well, wait, wait. Seattle's an important, important oh, place. Oh, I guess. Uh, so, one, they go to a concert. And mm-hmm. the concert is a real band, I think. But mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what they're called. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so they go to a concert. And she does the stereotypic, like, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. I love mm-hmm. you so much. Mm-hmm. M- music is beautiful. You're beautiful. Right. And, then they, <laughs> and then they kiss and whatever. And then, so after they see the concert, she's like, so what do you have next? And he's like, you'll see. And he takes her to uh like a pier i think mm-hmm. or something like that and it's like well here you go and she's like what is this and he's like you're gonna play your first show <laughs> and so now he's gonna have her like busk the streets of seattle mm-hmm. and so and of course she's like no i can't do that and he makes her do it and so she starts singing this stupid song it's so bad that involves her like spinning in circles as she sings it yeah because she talks about like spinning in circles spinning in circles <laughs> and we're made to believe that this song is so good that like hundreds of people mm-hmm. one again this is like past midnight in or something like that it's late mm-hmm. it's dark very dark in seattle on the pier and we're supposed to believe that like people from far and wide mm-hmm. that's just hearing this girl sing they're like holy shit right this is so good Right. And they all amass around her and they're all like dancing and like right. like a like a Bonnaroo show. Right. They're like they're singing along. It's like, right. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> uh, so it's like it's that's how you learn that she's actually really, really good and right. everybody loves it. Right. Uh, then they come back. Right. And so the one thing we need to talk about is what's his Charlie? Is that his name? Yeah, Charlie. He goes through his own trauma, really serious <laughs> trauma, which is. He, you know, he was going to be a all-star swimmer for Berkeley. Is that where he was going to go? Yeah, he got a scholarship to Berkeley, right. but then the scholarship was re- removed, like revoked. Right, because he jumped off a house into a pool and then like dislocated his shoulder whenever he did it. Which so. is something that only Katie knows. Like he's never told the real story to anyone else. Exactly. So, I mean, it's not necessarily fair because like she hasn't told him about her like deadly illness, but like. It is such a, like, a, such a thing of, like, we have to mope, like, every day they have about his inability to swim competitively anymore. Right. And, you know, the whole premise is, like, does he swim at all during, like, the regular swim meets for the high school anymore? I don't think so. they've also graduated. Yeah, we brought that <laughs> we brought that up because as we were watching it, we kept questioning, why do they keep having swim meets? Right. After, and it's like they've had a graduation scene. Yeah, they are all graduated. Mm-hmm. They're on their way to uh, to college. Mm-hmm. 
and they keep having swim meets. Right. And he keeps having like this opportunity to, to swim and like maybe work his way back to like whatever. But, you know, he's too injured because his shoulder had to have surgery. Right. And now his career is over. Right. So anyway, so they get back from Seattle and like she like they go and they like walk on the pier like near her house and she is like let's like let's jump into the water so we can have like a great night or something like that and he's like you know i don't swim anymore <laughs> but suddenly <laughs> i think i wrote it down because i've been trying to keep track of some of these quotes and i think i wrote that one down so what they say is okay so as we said after the concert he took her and was like are you ready and she did the her whole concert outside mm -hmm. so then she does the same thing here so they're at the pier back home mm -hmm. And she says, are you ready for what? To go swimming. And then he goes, you know, I don't swim anymore. <laughs> Which we again, we brought this up as we were watching it because he doesn't swim competitively anymore. <laughs> right. He's not incapable of swimming. <laughs> of walking in waist deep water. <laughs> right. He, he can doggy paddle. Right. Like, like he can like he can swim. He right. just can't competitively like. Right. Swim. Like, like right? beat not, records. Right. He's not doing like a Michael Phelps swimming. Right. You don't have to do that. I would have loved if he tried to do that when he got in that water. <laughs> if like, because they're like skinny dipping too, kind of like they're clothed ish, but like, you know. Just their underwear. But then, man, that would have been so funny if like he gets in there and like starts drowning. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I couldn't swim. And she's like, just stand up. Just stand up. <laughs> he's just flailing. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, so stupid. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, that is so dumb. So anyway, she leaves her stuff out on the beach, you know, her like her clothes and, and purse and, and that type of stuff. And then they're in the water having their romantic moment or whatever. Then they go back on the beach and they fall asleep on the beach. Mm -hmm. And she's been keeping track of everything all the time that they've spent together. She's tracking it on her mom's watch mm -hmm. because that's another gift that she got. So she got mm -hmm. her mom's guitar because mm -hmm. her mom used to sing to or whatever. And then she got her mom's watch, which is mm -hmm. like a, a nice gold watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know what type of watch it is, but it looks like it's, it's nothing fancy, special, right? But it's nothing that special. Sure, but it's not like a like a plastic watch that yeah. you like wear to the beach, right? right. <laughs> it's it's like not a nice... like the Mickey Mouse watch that uh, that character in all those like Da Vinci Code movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Robert Langdon, is yeah, this... <laughs> yeah, no, not like that. But uh, you know, it's like a gold watch with a leather band, right? Whatever. Right. So she like looks down on at it, and she starts to see like some sun peeking through the clouds. Mm -hmm. And she's like, wait a minute. And she's like tapping on her watch. And she's like, what time is it? And he pulls up his phone and he was like, oh, it's like 450. Mm -hmm. One, they were saying like it was, the curfew was a big thing on this. And mm -hmm. especially because Rob Riggle was like, she has to be in before sunlight, right? Because mm -hmm. you can't be in the sun. Right. And so it's a whole big thing about what the curfew is. And like his curfew is 1 a.m. So like they're going to be back mm -hmm. by 1 a.m. And, and all this stuff. It's now like 5 a.m. and nobody cares at all. Like mm -hmm. he is not like frantic that like in general, mm -hmm. not, he doesn't know about the sun thing. Mm -hmm. But in general, he doesn't care yeah, that he's, he's bringing just, like, her he's home. Like, just a stretch like uh, 450. Yeah. So like let's let's assume she doesn't have XP. Mm -hmm. Right. If I was a high school boy and I took out a girl until 5 a.m. the next morning, mm -hmm. that would be an issue in and of itself. Yeah, like the police would be hunting you down. Let alone <laughs> if she couldn't be in the sun, right? Right. But like, regardless. So he's like, it's 4.50. And she starts hitting her watch and she's like, oh, no, it's not waterproof. 
<laughs> and it's like an antique watch. Like, no shit. Because it's a Timex. <laughs> so she didn't know the time. Even though, again, this date, like, they took a train to Seattle, which, I mean, it's longer than like 30 minutes, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it's assumed that there, it's a trip into mm-hmm. Seattle. Not a long trip, but it's a trip. So they go into Seattle, they see a concert. He she busks for people. They mm-hmm. ride the train back. They go to the park, like the harbor and skinny dip in it or mm-hmm. whatever. A lot of stuff has happened. What time did you think it was? Right. They didn't even go out until like 10 p.m. or something right. like that. <laughs> <laughs> really dumb. But anyway, so then she has to race against the clock to get in inside uh, before the sun comes out. Yeah. I feel like the rest we should leave. Like I we we basically have told you the entire movie up to this point. There is, a, you know, there there's an ending, and I don't feel like we should completely spoil the ending. Sure. In terms of drinkability, how, yeah. do you, how do you feel about it? It was a great drinking movie. It was, it's literally, like, this is the type of bad movie I love to watch and drink to. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, the acting is horrible. It's like, them trying to be really serious that it's so funny. So it's like laugh out loud funny, even though that's not what they're going for. I don't know. I loved it. I think all of our drinking rules hit really well. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, Eminem's even. It was right. one of my favorite ones. <laughs> Every time she sings, uh, I mean, she sings mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. I don't know. It's I, I think all the drinking rules, I don't think you really need to add anything to what the what we found already. It's like one of those things, like, this is one of those perfect movies, which is like my favorite type of where things just are going so awry that you just... You just call out drink because, you know, moment is just so bad. Right. Okay. So on a scale of zero to 100, what are you giving this? I'm going to say that this movie was a 23. Okay. So it's enjoyable to watch. It's a really bad movie. There's no redeeming qualities of this movie as a movie. It is enjoyable to watch as a bad movie. Um, I agree with that. So this is where I struggle some because, like, it's a horrible movie. Mm-hmm. But I had so much fun, like, watching it. Right. So I think if, like, I was only going purely off a, like, quality of movie, I'd probably give it, like, a 14. Mm-hmm. But then if I, rate like, take into account how much fun I had watching it and, like, making fun of it, I'd give it, like, a 32. I could get up to the 30, maybe a 30 if mm-hmm. I was factoring that in. Right. But, again, also, th- and this is the perfect point to bring up another another thing. It makes a lot of sense that Ashley is higher on this rating than me. Because during this movie, I look over, and we've described oh, this God. movie to you. This movie is so bad. It's so stupid. Stop. Everything about it is so hokey. Stop. I look over, and Ashley is crying. Like, visible tears rolling down her face crying. Look. At a Bella Thorne <laughs> movie. And we've described this movie to you, right? And what makes this worse? The Big Sick is like an Oscar-nominated movie. The Big Sick is also sad. Ashley, dry as a bone, right? Ashley shed no tears <laughs> during The Big Sick. Camille Nanjiani is such a better actor. Um, Zoe Kazan is such a better actress. Like, everything about that was such a better movie. There were definitely sad scenes. Him him at the stand-up breaking down, Right, that is a scene to cry to. Yeah. Midnight Sun <laughs> is what Ashley actually cried to. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. Not once either. You cried more than Uh, once. (laughs) One scene and then at uh, at the very end, you cried again. I'm I'm not proud of it, okay? (laughs) Just any, just about anything can make me cry, okay? Like. Yeah, well. Yeah. (laughs) So, 
just just be nice to me. I will also bring this up real quick because we we looked up a little on IMDb as we were watching this to see what critics thought, and I found one critic review. <laughs> I remember you reading this to me. Okay, so this um, at the time at least this was because if you look this up in the future, maybe it won't say this anymore. But at least right now, what it says is uh, the critical consensus is quote. Midnight Sun is a typically manipulative and contrived teen romance that's unfortunately distinguished by its offensively inaccurate portrayal of a real-life <laughs> disease. <laughs> so I do not feel bad laughing at, at this movie. So at, at the beginning, when I found out that XP is a real disease, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks that we're laughing at a real illness, right? No, this in no way portrays a real-life illness. This is like, they hammed this all up. Um, for the sake of making this movie. Yeah. Well, you know that uh, I'm on top for next week. Yeah, you are. Watching this movie kind of inspired me, like in the teen movie genre. Okay. Because I feel like it's a great, those are great movies to drink to and laugh to. Yeah, 100%. I okay. bet we could drink to like half the Nicholas Park stuff. Yeah, for sure. So I definitely, I definitely have some of those on my list, but that's not what I'm going to do Yep. right now. So. It seems that my past few pairings, I keep starting with my bad pairing and then going backwards. Yep. So that's what we're going to do. My bad movie, which I already know some people that I'm friends with who are going to tell me that this is not a bad movie. But for the sake, sake of our marriage, it's a bad movie. John Tucker Must Die. I think I might have seen that movie before. You should, Probably you should have. Like, it was a really big thing when it came out. I'm pretty sure I have. And I think it was pretty good. Uh, yeah. I don't remember. I don't know. remember enough about it. So that's your bad <laughs> I, movie. Yeah, I think that by today's standards, it's not good at all. Okay. But like, I think when it came out, it's considered a good movie. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Sometimes so, you surprise me with your rankings. Right. <laughs> In that movie is Penn Bagley, who Gossip Girl fame and most recently of You fame. Yeah. And he's like, everybody's like obsessed with and he's like, stop being obsessed with me. I'm a bad person in that show. Right. That show's ending. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, should, yeah. but so going off that, you know, I thought of another Penn Bagley movie kind of around the same time frame too, but it really introduced me to one of my favorite actresses who she wasn't my favorite actress then, but Emma Stone in Easy A. Oh, I didn't even remember he was in that. Yeah. So Easy A was a good movie. Yeah. That's why it's going to be my good movie. Yeah. I think both of these are probably on the same level. Like, I think it's kind of mean to say that John Tucker Must Die is a bad movie compared to Easy A. But I think they're going to fit really well together and give us a really good vibe. Yeah, I think that's that's a good choice. Yeah. I wouldn't have expected either of those movies. Yeah. Well, here we are. Yeah. So that is what we have on tap for next movie night. Perfect. Okay. Well, the, Sean, excellent choice. These are, these are great pairings. It really was. And I can't even tell you how much that you need to go and watch Midnight Sun. You have to. I mean... Coming from a guy who, you know, doesn't like rom-coms right. that much and that type of thing. Right. Watch this movie. It doesn't matter. It, like, go it's, watch this movie. You'll you'll laugh. Okay. Before you watch it, go buy some peanut M&Ms. And, <laughs> and, and then get your beverage of choice. Mine is always champagne. Yeah. Sean's is always Diet Mountain Dew whiskey. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and just, you know, pop some peanut M&Ms in your mouth and enjoy your life to midnight sun. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. Go and watch it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited for next week. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye.